I really enjoy coming to um, Bitcoin events, Bitcoin gatherings in, in Latin America. There is a bit of a different energy um, in, in the room when, when it comes to Bitcoin. And in this part of the world, sometimes gatherings almost feel like political rallies in the best sense of the word. And I think that has to do with uh, the fact that over here, I think Bitcoin really represents freedom in a very tangible way. It means that I have access to my money and nobody can change that. It means uh, it's not going to happen that one day I'm going to walk to my Bitcoin bank and it's going to be closed. Bitcoin is so new. It's only been seven years. It's a completely new asset class. Like what I said, it's like as if gold was invented just seven years ago. And now you have like one of the first conferences about gold. And obviously everybody's wondering like, oh, like how should I buy it? Like what, uh, how do I store my, my Bitcoins, my gold? I went to the Bitcoin conference in... Um, uh, 2012 in London and it was like uh, some hackers sitting together like you know like you and I just chatting and some coders and there was like not an idea that this could like 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 business people would get involved like there was maybe like three four entrepreneurs there and uh, they were all very young uh, so it was it was hard to see back then what Bitcoin is today So I'm Kurt Robinson. I'm here with Arthur Dameister, uh, and he's going to tell us a, a bit about um, some financial analysis he's been doing and, to, and uh, some something about his newsletter, which he's launching soon. Uh, how are you? Doing great. <laughs> great. What do, what do you think of the LaVitConf La so far? Oh, it's been really... I had a blast so far. It's been exciting. I was uh, at the LaVitConf two years ago in uh, Buenos Aires. It's really interesting to see how like businesses have developed. Uh, I was just talking to the CEO of um, um, a local Bitcoin exchange. And he was like... Back then, it was like a little exchange and just starting out. That's just two years ago. Now, they have... Um, integrated with exchanges in Brazil and India and China and it's really incredible to see how things are growing and getting more and more mature and but the the excitement is still there the same it's not like this kind of cool businessy thing it, this is really still the place where the revolution is happening yeah yeah Cool. Well, today when when we rocked up, I was a little worried. I mean, Aaron, my, my buddy here, brought his suit and I didn't. <laughs> and I was like, are we going to be hanging around with a bunch of corporate types and I'm dressed in like oh, yeah. jeans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, there's different Bitcoin conferences. Like there's there's more formal ones. There's ones that are more about like how to, you know, like if you go to a New York conference, yeah, you will see more suits than, uh, than you see around here. It really depends. But uh, that's the nice thing about Bitcoin. There's something for everyone. And uh, it's not because the suits aren't there that there's not serious business going on as well. It's just, it, it's really open for very different cultures and backgrounds. And that's what I think is exciting about it. Yep. Was there anything uh, particularly striking what you heard about today? Um, well, as I said, the, the exchange, I thought that was really incredible. Uh, I, I mean, I have an account with them and I didn't even realize. I was like, oh. And I asked them, like, so how long does it take to send money from, uh, like, Mexican pesos to Chinese yuan? And he's like, oh, it depends on the time zone, but it can be, like, as fast as two hours. And I was like, wow. And, and like, I mean, 
yeah, these these kind of things just really amaze me at that. And obviously, also uh, rootstock got more explained. Like basically, we have sidechain technology that's really um, hitting the ground now. Like the things that like people are really building infrastructure on top of Bitcoin, new protocols that will allow for, for example, uh, emission of uh, shares. You can you know your own company. You can basically go public on the blockchain. You don't need to like call nasdaq or call some some very large and bureaucratic stock exchange you can like do it yourself it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy it doesn't mean that we're not going to have a uh, growing pains but the fact that it's possible it's super exciting i think yeah cool cool <laughs> so i'm i missed your talk today but uh did, can, can you give us a can you give us a little hint about what you talked about uh, yeah yeah sure sure it was basically a q a like i had a presentation prepared but i, I did want to open up the floor uh, because the subject was how to invest in bitcoin and it's 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 a really big issue like it's really important to talk about this stuff because bitcoin is so new it's only been seven years it's a completely new asset class like what i said it's like as if gold was invented just seven years ago and now you have like one of the first conferences about gold and obviously everybody's wondering like oh like how should i buy it like what uh, how do i store my my bitcoins my gold uh all these very basic questions are super important because uh it's something the world has never seen before like bitcoin is is an entirely new asset class and also like even just talk about what is it if you're gonna buy some like is it cash is it a financial asset are you speculating is it you know and uh different people have different answers but based on what you think is your answer that is really going to inform the kind of decisions you're going to make with it so we, we talked about that it was interesting and uh, people had some practical questions too about how to do it here in mexico uh, how to how to um do high frequency trading with bitcoin how it's going to evolve in the next few months and years so we talked about that uh-huh. Can you tell me when when was the moment when uh, the the light bulb kind of switched on and you and you first realized that that Bitcoin might have the power to change the world or change a financial industry? Um, I got introduced to Bitcoin from uh, friends in Argentina while I was traveling in Argentina, and. Uh, they just were so insistent like you have to study this you have to study this and i had a background in austrian economics and um uh, i was always i mean I, i studied financial history as well and i just knew how dangerous it is to have money in the hands of government and what what can happen with it and then the kind of financial crises that come out of that business cycles etc so to have this i think the light bulb moment for me was when i realized like Oh my god, it really is scarce. It really has a finite amount of bitcoins. You cannot just create more of them out of thin air. That was like, wow, this is super powerful. And of course, in combination with it being open source, you know, anybody can run the node and then connecting that with what I knew about BitTorrent, like, oh, we already have a system that works that cannot be stopped or controlled by anyone. 20% of the the um data volume on the internet is basically BitTorrent. Maybe it's a little less now, but it's it's about that. So putting those things together was like, oh my God, this this could be amazing. And then from then on, it was like, all right, I think the genie is out of the bottle. I think this revolution is going to happen. I just don't know if it, if Bitcoin is strong enough, if the code is strong enough. Maybe there's some weaknesses. Maybe we could have a crisis for a few years. Uh, I mean, things were... I went to the Bitcoin conference in... Um, uh 2012 in london and it was like uh some hackers sitting together like you know like you and i just chatting and some coders and there was like not an idea that this could 
like 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 business people would get involved like there was maybe like three four entrepreneurs there and uh, they're all very young uh, so it was it was hard to see back then what bitcoin is today uh, yeah that's cool uh yeah i had the same the the same kind of realization or the click in my head when i was like hang on BitTorrent like totally disrupted the music industry and the movie industry and bitcoin is going to do the same thing or cryptocurrency is going to do the same thing for uh for the finance industry uh so uh we were having a conversation before about a, a little bit about the some problems in the australian economy uh like say with with glencore or bhb billiton uh these the um People are saying that that uh, Glencore is like over leveraged, and they've they've released all these uh, assets which may be toxic, and they're held by companies all over the world. Uh, do, um, it's, of course, it's hard to speculate, but it, but what kind of um, what kind of uh, effects do you think that could have on the on the world economy? Right. Well, <clears throat> so what we've like, the big picture to me is what we've seen in the past thirty years is that interest rates have been lowered by central banks. So money has become cheaper, cheaper and cheaper. And what you get when money is very cheap is you get bubbles. You get bubbles everywhere. And one of those bubbles was uh, in the in the commodity sector. We had a, a, a huge um, commodity boom in, in over 10 years' time. And obviously, you know, over... 10 years is a long time and so people adjust to that and they start making extrapolations based on the past. It's like, oh, well, yeah, commodities are going to stay high. Oil is going to be at 100 or 120. Uh, copper is going to be at 5 or higher. And so corporations start making projections. They're like, oh, well, let's build this new copper mine and let's, you know, borrow a lot of money to do that. And that's how, I mean, it's not irrational. Uh, I mean, in hindsight, you could say it's not very wise, but in the context at the time, it was reasonable to make those plans and to incur all that debt. The same goes with the real estate. Like, you know, just, you know, if you live in Australia and you you have a regular family, you might make the assumption that, oh, like, uh, I think you mentioned it's been going up uh, maybe not straight up, but at least the trend has been going up for about 30 years in real estate. So people make assumptions based on that, like, oh, your house, it's something certain. And, you know, it's okay to go in debt because you have the value of your house. You can always sell it if you need money. And so, yeah, I think I think it's the the base cause of this these problems is money printing and uh, we're now seeing some some huge volatility based on the fact that volatility has been suppressed by central banks uh, for a long time and when you have suppressed volatility this is not me saying saying that but i think it's true raul pal uh, mentioned it um he says when you suppress volatility in the end you get hyper volatility so basically we've seen central banks step in every time there was a little bit of a dip in the stock markets they just pushed massive amounts of money in the market to push it up again but what have we seen now is like we see volatility everywhere the swiss franc is, has done crazy moves that nobody expected um oil has crashed if you look at uh, copper it's been going below uh, three dollars people call copper the they call it Dr. Copper because it's like a, um, a, a barometer for global economic activity. So when you see the copper price go down, because so much um, industrial growth is related to copper. If you want to build a factory or a house or for all that stuff, you need copper. So I think this is not the end. I think this is the start of uh, some big trouble in, in the markets. And what, who is suffering? 
it is uh, commodities related markets because it's the, the the demand is going down. If you're worried about paying off your loans, you're not going to invest in something new. You're trying to survive and you're trying to just you know do with the bare minimum. And uh, and then banks see that more and more people start defaulting on their loans, so they're also less eager to loan out more money. Um, and so this this whole cycle has been. Um, I think it's the start. So I think we we are going to see even weaker currencies in emerging markets and in, in Australia. Unfortunately, I think uh, real estate is going to you know eventually also go down, expressed in strong currencies like the dollar. Uh, I, I think I think um, I think being active in the cloud and on the internet is is a good idea if you can like be active internationally you can be flexible uh, but if you have your money tied up in australian real estate or if you have a lot of money tied up in, in mining somehow i think that that is a risky place to be right now mm, okay okay Sorry about the long answer i hope it was somehow coherent <laughs> no that was great that, that was fantastic so uh can we Let's see. Well, the, the the thing that this brings up too, as well, is like the the interplay between Bitcoin as this this sort of emerging economy, and these on the other hand, these these economies which may be collapsing in the near future. And I guess it's e- of course it's even harder to speculate on how that interplay would work. But do, do you have any ideas? Uh, yeah, that's why I'm so like that's <laughs> why I'm so excited about Bitcoin because it's like in a way it's it can become one of the the ultimate safe haven instrument. It, it can become the ultimate place to park your money for a short time or a long time and then use it later to invest. Uh, because really, if you look at the financial system, take um, reserve ratios of bank. What does it what does it mean? You can look at a bank as like a parking garage. Okay, like people park their cars in the parking garage. It's like your money. You park it there and then you expect to like pick it up later, right? But what happened and it started happening about 100 years ago is that imagine if you park your car in a garage and all of a sudden the garage starts paying you money for that. Like, really? What's going on? Like, why am I not paying the garage instead of the other way around? Until one day you walk around the building and you see a big sign. It says cars for hire and they're basically renting out your money and then when enough people come back to get back their cars all of a sudden oh we're bankrupt i'm really sorry like oh you did you really think that it was still your car no of course not you gave it to us and legally speaking that's what happens when you put money in the bank you're lending it to the bank it's no longer your money and so when enough people, like in Cyprus, right? And of course, in many other places uh, earlier on, when enough people go to the bank and pull out their money, all of a sudden the bank has no money left because the reserve ratio, the amount of money that they have left in the vaults that they have not lent out is about, if I'm generous, I would say it's about 2 to 5%. So if you and I and another 5% of the people that have money in one particular bank go get the money out, it's over. All the, It's like a, a dance of chairs where... You know, there's only one chair and there's 100 people. So that's why I think Bitcoin is fantastic because you can really own and control your own money. Uh, and, uh, and then also on top of that, you can spend it or send it, share it however you want globally. Anybody that has an email address or even a phone number, you can send that money to, uh, which I think is, is going to serve a very important um, it's going to play an important role in this crisis. And I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I think this is something for the next 10 years to play out. Um, interest rates are the lowest they've been in a thousand years. Like, this stuff is just, if you look at the amount of money printing that's going on, the amount of debt in the world, it, it is just, 
these are historically if you even go back 500 years this stuff has has not happened before so um that's i think is kind of the you know people always ask like oh what is the what is going to be the the tipping point for bitcoin and it's always like oh well people are going to start you know maybe having a little game on their smartphone or they're going to you know use it i think it's going to be very simple like it's going to be a safe haven it's just going to be uh, your own bank account mm, so kind of like uh like people run out of all all other options like the, every other fiat currency looks unsafe and they're like oh what are we going to do and they panic and run into bitcoin something like that um, yeah at least i mean i'm not saying that this is not like advice like oh you should put all your money in bitcoin if you want to prepare yourself for a crisis i think it's a fantastic idea to insure the cash that you have to see bitcoin as an insurance policy and to put maybe half a percent of your money your cash into bitcoin maybe one percent because if this scenario and some people say that oh it's really unlikely that it'll happen and that i'm wrong well but if the scenario happens then you have this insurance and bitcoin really is going to go much much higher than it is today if we are really going to see all these problems in in the banking system because it's all the same and they it's it's a global system uh so once you're inside there's really nowhere to hide you really give your your uh, there's a million ways i can say it but yeah i think bitcoin will play an important role <laughs> okay okay fantastic uh do you want to mention your your newsletter that you're working on sure uh, my website is adamantresearch.com and uh, we're having a we're putting out a newsletter called at the adamant newsletter it's not out yet but people who are curious about bitcoin i would recommend google how to position for the rally in bitcoin and adamant research it's a free report it's 17 pages uh, i think it's fantastic content i worked on it for months and uh, it's just you know go ahead and download it uh, send me a question on Twitter. I'm active there too. Uh, I'm I'm always excited to share what I know uh, about Bitcoin. And, and what, what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter is just Tur de Meister, my full name. So if you have somewhere below my name, you can just Google it. I think it's the number one result. It's my Twitter account. Okay, great. Thanks, Arthur. Thank, thanks so much for talking to us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for paying attention. Thanks for opening your bright, wide eyes and casting them on this magical spell that we're sending out towards the universe. And thank you to all those supporters who have generously donated a little bit of money, given us some tips to support what we're doing. It does mean a lot to us because it means that not only are, are these uh, transmissions reaching your brainwaves, but they're also having a, a little effect in changing those brainwaves for the better, putting a smile on your face and generating a feeling of everlasting satisfaction within your soul. So thanks to thanks to, to Brad, thanks to Sergey, Florent, and these anonymous contributors here um, sending, sending some cash to us through the Bitcoin tube. Uh, so we got a, we received a donation for 0.000594 BTC, 0.002302 BTC, and 0.01337 BTC. Now that's a lucky number if I ever heard it. And remember, guys, you can buy some uh, Bitcoin themed t shirts or real money themed t shirts. So if you want to show your loathing for central banking, and uh, the ominous, nefarious, uh, anonymous people behind that strange shadow banking cartel that control the world. 
um, you can head on over to the paradiseparadox.com and click on the, the t-shirts link and that's going to give you a, a, an insight into our real money t-shirt with gold, silver and bitcoin so you can sh- show your support for sound currency, real money and all that good stuff so, so have a look at that thanks for listening guys thanks for being amazing and we'll talk to you soon